Well, you got your Bibles. Uh, if you're over there in uh, the uh, book of Revelation, and again, this is um, uh, one of those areas that I, 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 we can't go super deep in. I am not a um, Revelation, got to make sure my mic was on. I didn't realize. I couldn't remember if I turned it on or not. Um, I, I'm not a, uh, a, a extremely learned individual that can go deep into all of the uh, Revelation uh, aspects and, and the book of Revelation as far as the, the things that are spoken of in great detail. There are people that are, have spent years studying and researching and praying about and they teach on it and some of them teach error and some of them uh, treat and teach biblical truth, but as a whole, um, I've never I said before. I've never gone deep diving in it all because I know me. If I get too wrapped up into something, um, I'll never get out of it. All right, it just and that's the revelation with the prophecies and all. Uh, it, it is good to know there are some things. The reason we're going over some of this is because it is, uh, it is elements that the child of God needs to be aware of. I do believe that it can be a bit of a trap if we're not careful. Um, you realize Satan can take truth and he can use it like a trap. And what he does is he, uh, he, lets, he lets God's people um, get started in the element of knowing truth and then he entraps them um, in, in the mentality of I got to prove that I'm right. I got to prove, you know, all all the things that I see. Or better yet, um, some people, what they do is they go looking for everything in the Bible. You know, everything in the Bible is some deep, dark mystery that God's trying to hide from us until we do the studying. And then we will find the mystery pieces to this puzzle. And we we will put it together and God will tell us what's about to happen. And that's when you have... Uh, those those TV preachers come out and start uh, start saying, "I have figured out the mystery of the Book of Revelation. I know between Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation, I have figured out when it is that God is going to return in the clouds for His people." And you know, they they try to find the magic potion in all in, in all of it. And so many of them dive in with the desire of learning truth and and learning what is important to know. And they get entrapped in the idea and, the, and the, the, the danger of just knowledge. And they want knowledge, 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 knowledge. And knowledge, unrefined and unrestrained, may I say, puffeth up. And we have to be careful. Knowledge is great, but you don't get true understanding until you apply biblical wisdom, godly wisdom. Having a whole bunch of knowledge, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The professing of being wise is not the actual existence of wisdom. It is knowledge convincing me that I must be wiser than everybody else because I have more knowledge than everybody else. Uh, my question, uh, when Adam and Eve uh, gained more knowledge, did it make them better? They got more knowledge but with it came death. And so uh, knowledge not gained God's way and knowledge not applied with God's wisdom does not give a true understanding. It can puff up and send you down a a tailspin mentality that can get us sidetracked from the whole purpose of having some of that knowledge. 
The child of God should not be ignorant of end time events. The child of God should not be unknowledgeable in the sense of ignorance concerning the prophecy of things to come. But the child of God must be careful lest the the best thing that we are looking for is knowledge and not the application of wisdom to that knowledge. So here's the question. You could know everything about what the Bible declares for end time prophecy. But all the stuff you know, the question really comes down to what are you doing with it? If everything we know is just so we can argue about who's right, we have useless knowledge. If you're studying end time prophecy in any way, shape, or form, and you're doing it in the right way, it will bring you to one conclusion. That one conclusion is truly the entire focus of being knowledgeable of what God has given us and declared what is to come. What is that one purpose? Hurry up and get busy because he's coming back soon and there are those who don't know him. That is the focus. Everything you study should drive me to an urgency. 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 Not to argue with somebody, but to share the gospel. Not to prove my point, but to get out there and reach the lost because he's coming back. If nothing else, on a personal basis, it's an urgency to look up constantly. Maybe today. Maybe today. Maybe it's today. Look in the clouds for his appearing. But it's also uh, in in a public form. That's the personal form. Wake up every morning. Lord, is this the day? In the public form, it is who do I witness to? Who do I speak to? It's an excitement for me that he's coming back any moment. But it's an urgency for me in knowing since he's coming back, there's not much time. We have more people to reach than there is time left to reach them. So why do we look into this? Because we should not be ignorant. But we're going to look into any of these things. We're going to dive into the amount that we dive in for simply understanding the urgency of the matter. So here in Revelation chapter 5, I'm just going to read verse uh, number 1 down to verse number 4. But uh, tonight we're going to start looking at, and I say start because I'm going to try to read. Y'all sitting down? Y'all good and planted? Okay, got your seatbelt on? I'm going to try to read through two chapters. What? I let y'all out early this morning to make room for it. No, I'm, I'm picking. All right. But I'm joking. But I want to, I want to go, I'm going to go through, we're going to look at chapter four and chapter five because we're going to get to the seven sealed judgments. But before we get there, we have to do some, uh, some pre-reading to understand the judgment. I'm going to do a little bit of a, a background this, this evening. And then uh, it'll be a couple of Sundays before we get back to it. But once we do, uh, we'll start looking at the different seven seal judgments that happen. And so uh, let, me, let me read very quickly verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, and then I'll pray, and we're going we're gonna to dig in um, to, to the reading in chapter 4 through chapter 5. But it says here in verse number 1 of, of Revelation chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? 
and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. You say, preacher, why are you stopping there, leaving you on a cliffhanger? Because the, the next little bit is really good, okay? Um, but I, I got to give you some, some information before we get there. And, uh, and, and we're going to come back to it before tonight's over, okay? Let's go ahead and pray, and then, uh, then I'm, I'll give you a little bit of introduction, and we'll go back and start reading in chapter 4. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. I pray that you would help us as we begin to look at your word here in, in dealing with uh, end-time events, dealing with the seven seal judgments. Lord, um, give, give me wisdom as we go through this and help us to have understanding of that which matters in what you gave us to know. And again, may it challenge us even the more as we see that day approaching. We ask all these things in the name of our Savior. Amen. And so let, let's do this real quick. Let me just give you a little bit of, a, of an introduction to the seven sealed judgment. Okay, in this book of Revelation, we are told of several different judgments that are poured out on the inhabitants of earth during the tribulation period, during seven years, three and a half, uh, uh, first three and a half years, and then a, the, the worst great uh, three and a half years, the great tribulation period. So it's, but it's all known uh, as, as the tribulation or the great tribulation, but you have the first three and a half, honestly doesn't even nearly compare to the, to the second three and a half years and I, we'll explain more of that later. There's, I, I believe there's a very clear reason as, as to why it amps up in the last three and a half years. Um, but that's a whole other topic that I want to get to later. So I'm not going to spoil that one. But, uh, but throughout the entire time of, of the tribulation, uh, there are judgments poured out. And in this first set that, that it begins with are seven seal judgments. Uh, and no, not, I remember as a kid, I remember hearing that every now and then, seven seal judgments. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Why would God use seals? I mean, uh, you couldn't get her in. There you go. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm just, my, my thing, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what are they, I mean, they're going to travel throughout the seas and deliver these, I don't know what, as a, you know, a little kid, I, you know, I'm just picking up on the word seal, and I'm thinking sea lion, right, a seal, and, uh, and, and no, that's not, it, it seals like something, you know, it's sealed up, okay, um, so that was just for you to have a little bit of a chuckle if you needed it, all right, but uh, kids' minds, listen, it, it, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, when you were a kid, you thought some pretty strange things too, all right, um, but uh, we're not even going to talk about what we thought some of the hymns used to say. We used to sing them completely wrong. And uh, I remember, uh, I'll give you this as a side note. I do remember we did this one on purpose. Uh, we used to sing, you all know the song, Come and Dine, the Master Calleth, Come and Dine. Well, uh, as kids, we, there was one lady at Longview Baptist Temple that we, we kids just did not like very much. Um, uh, she, she was not horrible, but to us, she was mean. And but I look back on it, I'm thinking, I'm worse than she is. <laughs> but... Uh, but um, her, her last name was Camerdine. Can y'all imagine what we used to sing? Camerdine, the master calleth Camerdine. But um, we, we had fun. Okay, uh, the funny thing is, some of that stuff never leaves you. 
all right? And, and if you're not careful, I, I still think some, there are times when I'm singing that song and I'm not paying attention. I'm singing. Next thing I know, I realize I just said Camerdine instead of come and dine. But, um, but again, that's uh, childhood stuff. And it just kind of sticks with you. But here we are in, in the book of Revelation. Now, there are, seven, there are seven seal judgments. There are several others we'll get to as well. Uh, and we're not going to look at the, at the judgments themselves tonight. We will get there eventually. But these seven seal judgments are actually revealed specifically from chapter 6 to chapter 8 in the book of Revelation. Okay, uh, And the seventh judgment, it, you would almost think it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. But actually, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Then there's a little bit of information that takes place, a little bit of other, other that's going on at the same time. And then in chapter 8, you see the seventh seal judgment is mentioned. And uh, the same thing happens with, the, um, with, with some of the, 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 the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgment, all the, the different judgments. There, there's many that it happens in a row, in a row, in a row. And then the last one, there's a little bit of a pause before it's brought in to view. Now, why all the pauses are there is not always totally clear. Some of it is just a, a momentary pause for additional information uh, that is going on or, or that is being revealed to him at that time. Some of it is a delay in when it takes place, period. Uh, not that, you know, some, sometimes it may not be a delay of when it takes place. It's just a, it, he didn't mention it because kind of like we do. We get telling stories. We get talking about something. Next thing you know, before we finish it, we, we go off on something else because we, we saw something or we triggered. Oh, hey, by the way, this, this. And then we come back to our original story and finish it, okay? So some of that is there. But as a whole, many times it's because there is a delay in time. But we'll, we'll get to all those later. But it is chapter 6 through chapter 8. Uh, you see the last seal judgment in chapter 8. But prior to all that, um, it, the, the best way to comprehend the seal judgments is, is for me to give you a, a little bit of an understanding. Um, and th this really does help, uh, and I was studying this out, and it really just, it, it kind of put all the pieces together because you, you look and say, why, why seal judgments? There, there's a book, or better yet, uh, it, it, it's called a book, but whether it's a literal book or in that time frame, it would have been better, better uh, laid out as a scroll, um, and, and a long papyrus type thing that would be written on, rolled up, and, and sealed. Um, but whether, whether it's a literal book, like we think of a book, or with a binding and all, or it is a scroll that would still be considered uh, their version of a book of that time frame in, in the Bible, uh, regardless, uh, the, this book... Uh, it, it, it has, has content written in it and on the back side of it. Um, and it, it is not just a book like we have ours here, where it's just there and you can just open and go through it. It is a book with content, uh, but uh, think about this. There was not one worthy to open that they, that they could find immediately, but also there was none worthy to even look on it. You say, well, why, why does that matter? Well, think about it. It's written on the inside. You can't see that, but it says it's written on the back too. If it's written on the back, you could actually read that one if you could look on it. Just a, just a thought. So there are, there's, only, there's only a certain individual or certain individuals, where again, the Bible clarifies in, in just a minute. We'll look at it. But uh, the book is not only uh, restricted to the one who is able to unseal it, but it's also restricted to the one who is even able to look upon it. And so at this point, 
uh, they are look, they've looked through. We read in, verse, in chapter 5 there, looked through. And when they could not find someone in heaven, someone, no, no man in heaven, no man on earth uh, to, to open up the, the scroll or even look upon this book, uh, it broke the heart uh, of, of John and he wept. And he, he's like, who in the world is going to open the book? We'll get there in a moment. Uh, and this is going to mean a lot more after you, you get this right here, okay? So the best way to understand, you've got to understand the background of royal decrees during Bible times. In that time frame, it was common practice to require valid verification of any official document or decree. If a, if a king was going to, uh, they were, were going to write a decree that is going to be declared at a certain time, they would write that decree. And that decree would not only just be written, but it would be witnessed by however many were in the requirement of that time. So the king could say, well, I want two, I want three, I want five, I want ten. He could say however many witnesses that he wants would be present during the writing and, and during the sealing of that decree. And all of those that were there, those witnesses that were there, Every single one of them would have a unique seal, a unique stamp seal uh, that would be pertaining to them and them alone. A family crest seal. You could almost kind of have a, mind, a mentality like that. And they would have this seal and what they would do is the king would, they would write up that official decree. And so as to make sure that it can always be validated as being the one that was written in the presence of these individuals... Uh, the, one that, the, 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 the one that was written and approved by the king and the one that was intended to be read and untampered with, which, by the way, uh, we could use some of this same protocol today in our government, but uh, the only way that that decree could ever be read upon the, the time frame that it was set to be read and put into action was for those individuals who witnessed it to be present to witness its unsealing. And what they would do is, when they would seal it up, it would be completed. They'd all see the completion of it. It would then seal up, roll up, and then each one, would, would, they would do a seal, and then they would put wax, and then each one would stamp in that wax his seal, and it would be done, and that seal on that scroll was anchored. And then the next witness, would, there would be a seal on that and they would put the wax and then he would seal it with his stamp and it would be anchored. And however many witnesses there were, each one would have a seal on that scroll locking it up tight and it could not be broken lest it become invalid. And therefore, that declaration must be sealed and when it becomes unsealed, only those whom have the seal that was used with each one, only those valid witnesses to the validity and the accuracy of that being the declaration we witnessed. It has been declared that is the one it is untampered with. Every single one of them must be present and they must unseal their individual, they must break the seal of their individual stamp, of their individual seal. And once all have broken the seal, it would be opened, it would be read, and it would be decreed. Validity. 
proof that it is the original document that was declared by the king. Now, when you understand that, it makes the seven seal judgments even more fun. Because we're going to look at chapter 4 and chapter 5 very quickly. And, uh, and let, let's look at what happens here. Because this is a priceless piece of information prior to the initial starting of judgments in the book of Revelation. And by the way, I remind you, there's no mention from chapter 4, from the end of chapter 3 on, there is no mention of the church whatsoever. There is no even reference to a church, to the bride of Christ whatsoever. There are saints mentioned, but there are going to be people saved. There are going to be people give their life to, to God through Christ. You say, how do you know? How are they going to have the gospel? We already mentioned some of that. But listen, everything that, that exists today is still going to exist after we're gone. There's going to be a witness of the gospel in, in, in many forms throughout this world, and no matter how hard they try, it'll be nearly impossible to eliminate all possible forms of the gospel. That's why I believe it's still important to give out tracts. I, I believe it's still important to have uh, biblical literature with the gospel on it. Why? Because you never know where that stuff's going to end up. You never know where it's going to get stuffed. They can find big loads of it and get rid of that because it's very obvious. But finding every single piece of literature that's gone in the hand of every single person around the world that got stuffed in a drawer here, put in a, a shirt pocket over there, stuck in the back of the pants and forgot about it. You just never know. All of a sudden, somebody has a coat on and they go reaching in. It's like, what? what, what, what? Oh, man, that, that's been 10 years ago I got. I mean, you never know where this stuff ends up. It's important that the gospel be in all forms in many places because even after we're gone, it still will exist. And there's 144,000 witnesses that God will have that he will seal. And then there's two witnesses that come specifically uh, preaching and teaching so much that the world hates them because they, you know, they, they're calling us, causing us strife. We, matter of fact, they celebrate. I was reading it today. The, they begin, I don't want to go too far because we're going to talk about them later. But um, that the world is so happy when those two witnesses die. It's Christmas for them. They celebrate and they give gifts to each other, celebrating the death of these two jerks that just made our life miserable. The world has always hated the preacher, amen. <laughs> but there's two witnesses, and then beyond, beyond the 144,000 and the two witnesses and all the scripture stuff and all the stuff that it, from, from, from all the ages that is just sitting out there and all over the place, on top of that, he's going to send himself an angel to and fro throughout the world, and he is going to be proclaiming the gospel. So the gospel is going to be present. People are going to have a chance to hear and even though the church is not present, the truth still is. And even though uh, uh, we, you do not have the Spirit of God indwelling the people of God in that sense as, as it is with the church, you still have the Spirit of God doing a work in the hearts of men as they see truth. And when they see truth and they see what's going on in error, some will say, I choose something other than what I'm seeing out here. I'm choosing God. And they will suffer for it. So there will be saints during the tribulation. 
but it specifically mentions up through chapter 3, it specifically mentions the church, the church, the church, the church, like the churches. And then, no mention of church. Whom Christ is the foundation of. There's no mention of, of the church body until the very end in the final salutation, which is because this is written to God's people, the church. And so, it's pretty obvious the church is gone. Uh, let's go on. Hurry up. We've got to move. Chapter 4. Two chapters to go through. All right? Now, again, you say, preacher, a minute you're going to say, you're skipping a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I get it. There are things I'm focusing on. There are things I'm not going to focus on just for sake of time, and we're not going to go digging so deep that it becomes a headache, okay? But in chapter 4, let's start here. Let's start reading because it, I, will, I will tell you this, and then everything else is going to be Scripture, okay? Just reading through this. As we look at these two chapters, the, the priceless information that we find is that there are two truths revealed in chapter 4 and chapter 5. There are two foundational truths about everything in life and eternity. Number one, only one receives the focus and glory. Number two, only one is found worthy. Two priceless truths that, that contain everything in life and eternity. Only one receives a focus and glory, and only one is found worthy. Let's start looking here in verse number one of chapter four. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, uh, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must, must be Hereafter, we mentioned that, talking about the pre-tribulational pre uh, pre rapture. Get that out, all right? And the reason we say it's a good, it is a good picture of, of, of the rapture and the timing of the rapture, chapter, uh, verse number 22 of chapter 3, last mention, he that hath an ear to hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and a voice, and, a, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet, da, 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 talking with me, which said, come up hither, come to me, meet him, meet the Lord in the air, mm -hmm. uh, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter, which means <laughs> we're out of here, and then things begin to happen after, okay? So again, we already looked at that. Right, I'm not going to rehash all of it. All right, go to verse number two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardis stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in, in sight like unto an emerald. Now again, understand he is given the best description possible. And yet Paul said when, when, you know, he tried to talk in the third person about somebody he knew, um, trying to, in, in his best humble ability to say what he said, what he saw without people thinking, ooh, Paul's somebody, okay? But 
he said that he saw things that were not lawful to utter. And so John is trying to give the best description that he can of what's going on, but there are some things that are not lawful and some things that honestly we just couldn't comprehend if he tried to explain it. He gets as close as he can with this right here. And even some of this is pretty mind-twisting to try to understand what he's saying. One day we'll see it all and we'll know exactly what he was talking about. It goes on to say in verse number four, and round about the throne were four and 20 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Again, there's a lot of content here, a lot of things we're not getting into, okay? So just, um, uh, you'll be okay in a minute because you'll enjoy what we look at. Um, verse number six, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf and the third beast had a face as a man and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle and by the way um, it is considered and not not by all but by many um, uh, commentaries and, and, and different uh, preachers who have studied it out many do believe that these beasts are referring to uh, more than likely something that would reveal more of a cherubim um, kind of scenario uh, and, and just in, in description of the wings and all we'll see in just a minute. Um, but uh, the, the cherubim being, being uh, ones that guard those things which are holy and sacred to God, uh, and, and which is why when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, there was one placed at the entrance with a flame and sword, lest they find their way back, back in. What's that? Form, form, sorry, form. But mention, it's mentioned that, that, there's, that they're, they're placed there and that there was the, the, uh, the, the resistance of allowing back into that which was sacred and holy to God, and they protect it and keep it from uh, fault and from man, mankind in that sense. And so, uh, again, all of this, there's a lot more to it. Again, there are differing views, and some people don't believe uh, like others. <laughs> Go figure. But as a whole, uh, it, it is more commonly believed that it would be re referring not to just beast in general, but to cherubim, which... Uh, again, going on to verse number eight, it says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and, and they were full of eyes within, and, and they rest not day and night. Now, here's the thing. They rest not. They're there. Uh, they're, you, you just look at the, the bit of description we get. It's almost overwhelming to even consider this description. And what there, there's eyes all over the place. And, you know, the, uh, the evidence of God sees all, God does know all. There's lots of, of, of pictures to understand with this. But as a whole, the focus comes down to not them. The focus as a whole is not the uh, 20 and 4 elders. Uh, um, uh, four, four and 20 elders. The, the focus is not the beast here, though it, they're mentioned. The focus turns to only one who receives 
the focus. As a matter of fact, you see it over. These individuals and, and, and these settings are seen several times throughout Revelation, but it always comes back to, oh, by the way, remember the ones, I'm giving you paraphrase style, the ones I talked about, the four and 20 elders uh, and, and the beast, uh, I saw them again, and here's what they're doing again, <laughs> and here's what they're doing again, and here's what they're doing again. They just keep on doing, and I, this happens, and this happens, and this, oh, by the way, and there's the four and 20 elders, and they're doing this again, and, and here, here's the beast, they're doing this again. Uh, it, it, it keeps on coming back to, he's describing them to a degree, but he gets to the point of what it's all about. It's not about the four and 20 elders. It's not about uh, the beast and what they look like and what their roles are and all that kind of stuff. It's about what they're doing and who they're doing it for. And so here it is, before we even get into the judgments and the tribulation period of what's taken place, we're seeing now in heaven when John is called up, the first thing he sees overwhelms him. And it goes on there in the middle part of verse number 8, they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created now here's an interesting thought we read that like John seeing this he sees it happen, and it happens, it's done, it's over, and he moves on to the next thing. But can I give you just a, just a little bit of a teaser on this one, all right? It says that the beast, they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They rest not day and night, saying it. So let's use a bit of common sense. They rest not day and night going through that saying of holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And they go through all of that. And the Bible says, <clears throat> and when those beasts give glory. It didn't say and when those beasts gave glory. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who, live, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him. Could it be that this is a nonstop process? Could it be that the beast, whether it is the, a, a, a form of, of angelic beings that God created for a particular purpose, I believe it to be true, but... Uh, being, being his created beings for that purpose. And by the way, they are about the throne, that which is sacred and holy. What, what is more sacred and holy than God himself and the throne he sits upon? And so here they are, they are about, but they're not just there like sentinels standing there on guard. They are there uh, doing their job while at the same time they have a, a job that goes beyond just standing there as guards. They are speaking truth concerning the one sitting on the throne. And then they go through their process. Holy, holy, holy.
holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And, and they, go, they go through theirs. And then as they go through that, all of a sudden, that's your cue, boys. Four and twenty elders. Falling down before the Lord, casting their, their, their crowns before him. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. And, and, and then when they finish with that, then they, they, I can see them now. They get back up. They get back in place. All right. Your turn, angels. Holy, holy, holy. Just round robin. Just keep her going. Keep her going. You say, how do you know that's what's happening? Well, because in, in, maybe in a moment we'll see. But I know as you go throughout Revelation, uh, you'll see it. He comes back to it and he said, and I saw the four and 20 elders fall down before him. What? They're still going. All right. They're still holy, holy, holies, and they're still Lord God Almighty's, and they're still thou art worthy. Just, it just keeps on going and keeps on going. By the way, uh, just remind you, we're not going to get to heaven and just have a big old party. Uh, I, according to Scripture, this focus never ends through all eternity. According to Scripture, there will not be, of course, time in its element is, is over with when it happened, when eternity starts in that sense, but... Uh, if you were to, to uh, equate it to what we can comprehend, in all time, you would never be a moment where you would not hear this process being repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated. No matter how, no matter how much it gets repeated, it never gets old. Kind of hard for us to comprehend because when we hear somebody say the same thing over and over and over again, it not only gets old, it gets irritating. Mama, 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 daddy, 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 daddy. Be quiet, child. <laughs> All right? We hear somebody pester, 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 pester. I'm not going to do what just came to mind. I'm going to leave it alone. But we hear, we hear stuff, and, we, and it irritates us to think that there is going to be the same thing over and 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 and it's not going to get old or irritating to us. Matter of fact, we'll feel like joining in 24-7. I know you're thinking, I thought we were going to talk about seal judgments. Yeah, we are. Hold on. Before you can even get to the judgments, you have to understand there is a picture being laid out. He sees a throne. He sees the one who's sitting on the throne. He can't even fully describe the one sitting on the throne. He just gives the best possible understanding of how precious the one seated on the throne is and what all is about him. And the, and, and the beast that he can't even, to him it's just a beast. It's just, it, but, but to God, they're his created beings. And, and it created for a purpose. And, and they're giving him praise and glory and saying, holy, 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 and Four and twenty elders, and again, not going to go into all of that because there's a lot of argument as to what they could be. But as a whole, four and twenty elders, it's not about them. It's about what they're doing. Giving glory to the one who deserves it. Only one receives the focus and the glory for all eternity. And that's God. But now it gets really good. Almighty God, the judge of all the earth, is the one who has already declared the judgments that are about to take place. In heaven, it's being declared, he's holy, holy, holy. In heaven, it is being declared, 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. All of this is being declared, 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 and it's not ending. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who has the right to do this? Who has the right to put judgment? Who has the right to declare things? Who has the right to do what He needs to do? Who has the right to, to, to direct His creation and, and do with His creation as He's already declared? Declared will happen. Who has the right? Who has the right? Who has the right? God Almighty has the right. God Almighty is the one in control. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. All this is being declared. Say, why is that needed? Because in this life, people look and say, who does God think he is to do this to us? Holy, holy, holy. He's Lord God Almighty. He's the creator of all things. It's for his pleasure that we are and were created. It is all about him. He has every right to do anything and he has every right to declare what's going to take place. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one in control. And who are we to say he has no right? Now all of this is being done before we even get to what starts happening in the time of tribulation. Now, quickly, chapter 5 focuses on the Father. And then now we're looking at the book that contains seven seals. Now, think about it. In the time of Bible, as I mentioned, the Bible times, when a king declared a decree, it was witnessed and sealed. And only those who were worthy, who, were, who had the seal, who could prove that they were a true witness to the writing of this decree, only they could break the seals for the decree to be opened and performed. So here we are, chapter 1, verse number 1 of chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And by the way, don't forget, it talks about the seven spirits of God. And I can't go into all that, but there's a lot of, a lot of dealings with seven. And it always goes back to God himself and the spirit of God, okay? And seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. In other words, the king on the throne has a book. He's got a decree. It's something important. Who's going to open it? No one. There's got to be somebody worthy. We can't find anybody. There's no man in heaven at this moment. There's no man in earth. There's no man under the earth. No one, no man that has ever existed in human standards, is worthy to open or even look upon the book. 
that contains the word and proclamation of the king. So he weeps. Verse number five. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. And here's where it gets fun, gets good. Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne. That's funny. There is a throne. In the midst of the throne comes this one worthy, which means he had to have been equal with God himself. He comes from the midst of the throne of God, which means there's only one that sits on the throne. There is one that comes forth from the throne, which must be of God himself, which must be of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who's the only one that this describes. Watch, here we go. Lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the here, seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now here he is. He's in the midst of all this. He's right there at the throne. He now goes to the Father and he takes the book from the Father. Who else is worthy but the Son? The Lamb of God. Slain. And he takes the book. Verse number seven, he came and uh, took the book of the right hand of him and sat, sat upon, the, upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb. Wait, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> mean they're worshiping somebody else? Nope. They're still worshiping the same one they were always worshiping because he's still God. Fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Uh, and they sung a new song. Say, oh, by the way, uh, uh, you listen, to, be careful with a whole bunch of music nowadays. Uh, be careful. I love Southern gospel music, but be careful with some of the Southern gospel music. If you get your theology from, from Southern gospel music, you're going to have some really errant theology. There are some good ones out there. But there's also some stuff out there that sounds good and sings good, just like there's some messages that preach good, but it doesn't mean it's in the Bible. All right? It's easy singing. It's fun singing. But, uh, but they, they talk about a new song that only the saints, only the church knows. Hey, there's a new song right here, and the saints of the church don't even sing it. This one's not even for us. Look at it. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy. Who's singing this? The four, be the four beasts and the four and twenty elders. They're singing this song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And by the way, listen, so you're looking at this, you understand, uh, it's not just the four and 20 elders. And again, there's, there, there are people that talk about the four and 20 elders uh, be, being an, an evidence of, of, the, of the churches and stuff like that. I'm not going to go into all the details with all that, but there's varying opinions of the four and 20 elders, and it's just not worth the argument because it's not about them anyways. As a whole, it's not just them singing, though, even if that was the, if that does picture the church as a whole, that, that is not, and again, it does talk about being redeemed. Thou hast redeemed us, so I, I get that, but at the same time, you, you have the, the four beasts are singing too. 
So it's not just a new song that only the redeemed can sing, though I do believe there is a song of the redeemed. But in this particular case, it's not just the redeemed singing this. Uh, the, for, the, 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 the beast are begin to sing as well. But the, yeah, you have all of this, and they all fall down. Uh, and and uh, what, what, what verse were we on there right there? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, verse number nine? Yes. They sing a new song saying, uh, Thou art worthy to take the book, open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us under our has made us under our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power. Now that's an interesting thought. I mean, I know the incredible Mr. Limpet gave you the idea that fish could talk. Some of y'all haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But I, 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 know, I, I know that whole idea. But here's the thing. Did, did, y'all, did y'all hear what it said? And such as, it, and every creature, every creature, and then later on, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. So that must mean that there is a language that animals have and God knows what it is and when they speak, God knows what they're saying. And there's going to be a day when it's not just human beings that bow down and declare but every single part of his creation, every single aspect of God's creation, the Bible says it, it dogmatically, in heaven, in earth, that is in the sea, and in, that are in them. I mean, just, there's nothing else you can say than the Bible said here, there, there, and there. All of them start declaring, worthy is the Lamb. Wow. That's going to be interesting. That's, that's what's really going to be interesting. But it goes on, verse number 14 ends, and the four beasts said, amen. Basically meaning, so be it. That is right. Truth has been declared. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever. There you go. There they go again. Right back at it fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. By the way, uh, that's just another picture of what real worship is. Real worship is not all this stuff. Uh, Real worship, when you find true worship, you find people falling on their face before God because I am unworthy. I am unworthy. And when worship has filled to its max in my unworthiness, 
And when worship is completed and filled to its max in my personal time of worshiping God in humility and seeing who I am in light of who he is, and I realize all that, when all of that is filled to the top, praise comes from the overflow. And that's when I say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, Thou art worthy. That's real worship and praise. Not this modern day stuff of feel good, look at me, look how good of a Christian worshiping God I am. I'm not trying to be ugly, but, but we make more of the human element than we do of God. We make more of, of the human aspect of see me worship than the idea of who I worship. And we, we use him as, as a way to get into it. We use him as a way to people to see it being spiritual but in the end, as a whole, we've redefined worship to be people seeing me praising God. That's not worship. Worship is falling down before him. Humbly, personally. And praise is what you've been seeing happening because there is worship going on 24-7. There is the falling down before him and then the praise comes after. Thou art worthy. Now, we got through two chapters. But here's the, the main gist. It go, it go, verse number six goes right on into I saw when the lamb uh, I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. And so verse number six, uh, verse number one of chapter six begins immediately into the seven seals. What we got in chapter four and chapter five is John gets to heaven and John sees who it's all about. John gets to heaven and all he hears constantly is. Holy, 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 thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy, thou art worthy. The one who sits on the throne, the king, the judge, and then he finds the one. There is a book he has in his hand, and that book is sealed, and that book cannot be opened by anyone but the, the one who has witnessed and he can prove its validity for the proclamation from the king. And only that one who has the ability to undo the seals has the ability to open the book, and therefore there is only one found out of all of heaven and all of earth, only one found, and he comes from the midst of the throne and he is as a lamb slain why because he is the lamb of God slain the son of God God himself and he is able only he can witness the validity and the truth and the aspect of of the the reality that this book is not a fake this book is not a fraud this book comes with the full authority of the king and everything that is done to open this book and all that comes out of open Opening this book comes from the authority of the king of all the earth who is the righteous judge and has every right to judge however he has determined judgment must be given. And the witness who is the Lamb of God who is worthy to break the seals begins to break the seals. And with them begin the judgments of the righteous judge of all the earth. So you see, without chapter 4 and chapter 5, it just looks like God's being mean. It just looks like God's being unfair. It just looks like a whole bunch of judgment. Doomsday, this is not fair to man. No, no, no. <laughs> Start at 4 and 5. Priceless information. 
that only one receives focus and glory and only one is found worthy. And that one found worthy opens the book that belongs to the king that, that declares his proclamation of his righteous judgment on sin. And that is the introduction. But isn't it fun? You start looking at it, you start realizing the one found worthy was because he's the only true witness. I could go even further and I could talk about how even, even the, the priest and all and how the, the Pharisees said that Jesus claimed to be God. You know, you can only claim, any claim you make has to be claimed with witness. You have to have in, in, in the witness of two and all. And Jesus himself talks about how uh, that, uh, that he has declared and then also how the Father has declared him, you know, two witnesses. And so we talk about being witnesses. Jesus himself declared himself the true witness and the father witnesses of him. So therefore, I have all the witness that I need that I am truth and I am right and I am the door, I am the way. Uh, lots of stuff. I can't go into that, all right? Hold on the message. But he's already been declared the witness. And when he opens the book, it proves he is the only true witness who's worthy. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much.